everyone. Welcome to the new Mainstream Podcast. This is our first podcast of 2019, and we're jumping right in with one of the hottest topics in marketing. We're going to be talking about social justice marketing. Uh, before we dive into what social justice marketing is and means, I'd like to introduce uh, two amazing guests that I have today, Pepper Miller and Reginald Osborne. Pepper, Reginald, please introduce yourself for the people listening. Hey, okay, good morning, Mario. Good morning. Go ahead, Pepper. <laughs> so I'm uh, uh, Pepper Miller, president of the Hunter Miller Group. I am a thought leader, author, subject matter expert um, in the multicultural marketing space that focuses on uh, black Americans. I've had the opportunity to do a couple of podcasts with you, Mario, so it's great to be back again. Uh, I've been busy, busy, busy. Busy, 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 um, and so it's um, uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, I'm Reg- yes, um, I'm Reginald Osborne, and this is my very first podcast. So thank you very much, Mario. Uh, I really am excited about this opportunity. Uh, I am a strategic business leader uh, with over 20 years of experience in marketing communications industry. And I'd say my superpower is that of really um, helping clients to understand and reach the multicultural marketing uh, community. I've held some senior leadership roles across uh, mass in mass market agencies, multicultural agencies, and also on the client side. And in the last few years, my focus has been helping clients like Lexus, Macy's, McDonald's better understand and effectively reach the black and LGBT consumers. Um, currently, I'm working um, as a consultant. Uh, I have my own practice, uh, and I work very closely uh, with uh, a few of the multicultural agencies on um, various projects. And he, he helps me a lot, too. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is a, I'm excited to be talking to you both about um, this, this subject. And for everyone listening, my name is Mario Carrasco. I'm co-founder and principal of Think Now. We are a market research firm focused on the multicultural consumer um, doing quantitative, qualitative, and marketing technologies to help brands connect with this new mainstream. Um, so, you know, let's let's dive right, right in. Um, I, you know, we're, gonna, we're talking about social justice marketing. I've also heard it referred to as uh, quote-unquote woke marketing, and I mm-hmm. want to <laughs> I want to define it, you know, what it means um, and, and what it means in the context of, of the U.S., right? Because social justice has such a different meaning globally across different countries. So I think it's important to put it in the context of, you know, what social justice means specifically in the U.S. and has, how it pertains to multicultural consumers. Um, Pepper, do you want to kind of start off, give us... You know, in in, in yeah. your own words, what what social justice marketing, what it is. So I, yeah. So you know, you you brought up a good point. You know, when we were talking before the podcast about how uh, social justice and woke marketing has this meaning um, in, in social media, and most people do think of it and focus more uh, on the legality part of it and what's happening with the judicial system. Uh, the unfairness of 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 people being uh approached by the police or or locked up or not being treated fairly just in general by the justice by the just judicial system uh but it is a broader definition it is about 
this uh, this need for this equal distribution of of opportunities and and wealth and to be included and to have more of a a voice um, around things that matter for for individuals and communities. Um, Reginald, do you want to add to that? Yes, um, I think that um, what's happening in the industry is that we're now uh, seeing more of what I would call uh, purpose-led marketing and advertising messages. And I think that uh, why we're seeing that is a couple of reasons. One, brands are really trying to figure out a way to be relevant. And also with uh, this younger generation, one of the things that they are really looking for, and especially when we look at millennials and then Gen, Gen X, they're looking for brands that really take a stance and that stand for something and that align with their values. So it's really not just about directly selling a particular product or a service. It's really about how do you really involve that brand in the lives of the consumers in a meaningful way. And I think that given the challenges that we're having now politically in terms of where we are uh, with a president who is probably inspired more division than not, I think we are dealing with a lot of uh, issues around justice and equality that is really important in the lives of particularly the multicultural consumers. And, and let's, and, and it's, it's, um, and I also want to define for our audience kind of who, who we're talking about specifically, right? Because traditionally, when we think of social justice, we think of multicultural consumers, black, mm-hmm. Hispanic, Asian, but it's becoming broader than that, right? LGBTQ, women. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. You know, let, 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 you know, let's talk about that. I mean, who, who are we talking about here specifically when we're talking about social justice marketing? I mean, I think you, you hit it on the head. Right now, I believe we're in this era of equality, right? I think, you know, Black Lives Matter, um, for example, probably was really the the most momentous uh, movement that we saw, uh, you know, kind of coming from the black community in terms of the uh, police brutality and the continued police brutality uh, among the African-American, within the African-American community. But I think it sparked this movement of, uh, of equality that went broader to uh, the women's movement. And so now we've got the Me Too movement, the Time's Up movement. And certainly, I think we're starting to see some of the uh, challenges of some of the rights that have been won in the LGBTQ space you know, potentially rolled back. And so, you know, there's big concern in the LGBT community with this current administration in terms of uh, equality, uh, you know, whether we're talking about the transgender community or just some of the basic uh, civil rights within LGBTQ space. You know, Taffer, you want to? Yeah, I, no, no, I agree with that. You said that. I, I think you, you, you touched on that, um, on that well, um, but, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good transition because, you know, I think we have a good de- definition of what social justice marketing or social justice is broadly um, being inclusive, really, of marginalized groups. But this idea of social justice is not new, right, in this country. It's been around um, for a while, but we're seeing a renaissance of social justice issues being brought to the forefront 
And then more specifically, brands utilizing social justice market and these issues to align themselves with these movements. So it's not new, but the marketing aspect is. And so you touched on a, both Pepper and Reginald both touched on it a little bit on what's happening culturally. But let's talk more about why social justice marketing is becoming a thing, why woke marketing is becoming a thing and becoming so prominent among these really large brands. I mean, what is it about the time that we're in as a country that has really brought social justice marketing to the forefront? You know, and I think Reginald touched on it earlier, too. Um, there's a couple things happening. Like, you know, number one, it's kind of, I don't know if it's a, if we call it a dichotomy or this paradox, but number one, there's this, we are living more, we're living again, or America is having this aha moment that um, we're not living in a post-racial society as they believed. Um, and so um, with the election of, of President Obama, that really came to um, a heightened perception among many people in society and business leaders that we were post-racial. And I always say we'll be post-racial when it's the 10th black president or 10th LGBT president or 10th woman or 10th mm-hmm. transgender. So that that's one thing that happened. Uh, under this current administration, people are realizing that we're not as post-racial as we might think or that America has a huge problem with race. That's what they're their um, understanding, but there still is a need to hold on to post-racial mindset. So that's one thing. Number two, we are, and Reginald mentioned this, that we are living, too, in this society where people want to live uh, in this purpose-driven life. They want to have more of a purpose-driven life. Um, and maybe because the country has all these heightened tensions, there has to be something on the other side to, to balance that. So there's more discussions about that. I think years and years ago, there was a book out called The Purpose Driven Life. But I think people are really, really looking for for something in, in themselves in some way to contribute um, to kind of balance out what's, what's happening here. So I think those are a couple of things that are that are happening on the scale of divisiveness and then this need to uh, live a purpose-driven life. And then for, and then as Reginald said, then there the, the younger millennials are uh, who really, really care about uh, social justice, not only in their immediate communities, but in the broader communities as well, be it multicultural, LGBT, what's happening with the environment. Uh, they really care about that a lot more. So they, it's interesting, they are selecting places where they want to work that has a purpose-driven um, um, objective of, you know, for their, for their company. So we're, it, 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 it's best that brands do, you know, stop, take a look, and become more involved. And it's more, and it becomes more profitable for the brands as, as well. Yeah. And, and I would add to uh, that that I think also the other shift that's taking place is the fact that uh, the younger, the millennial generation, the generation uh, X, they're really becoming more advertising adverse. And so it's becoming harder and harder to really engage with these audiences. And so 
um, this purpose-led and more socially conscious capitalism um, is another way, but you've got to be, you know, we'll talk about that later, you've got to be authentic in how you do it, but it's really a way to engage with the audience in a meaningful way and not just have a transaction but a transformative relationship that, you know, mm. in the end pays out in, a, in, in terms of having more loyalty, um, you know, it's this idea that businesses can make a profit, but they can also be good stewards. And getting back to, I think, the way that businesses kind of had a bigger responsibility in the community. So I think that's another thing, a dimension to this, that is really getting more companies to do more of this purpose-led advertising. No, that th- th- this is great because um, I think it both Pepper and Reginald, you bring up what I see as three overarching points into why we're seeing this uptick in social justice marketing. I mean, one, obviously the political climate in this country, right? Um, you know, t- taking this idea of post-racial uh, for granted. Um, you know, it's not it's not a thing as we know now. That's number one. Um, two, this idea of leading a purpose-driven life. I mean, I think that's something that marketers forget about, right? Because the political climate is so top of mind, you forget, well, there's also just a paradigm shift happening among millennial consumers, among Gen Z, that, you know, there's more to life than just buying things. They want experiences. They want purpose. And three, uh, to Reginald's point also, um, you know, not being, it's not, it's not about being transactional. It's, it's experiential, experiential. Um, mm-hmm. So that's this, this confluence of these three things that we have a changing consumer, um, we have a changing cultural climate. Um, and there's, there are brands, like you said, it's not, it, it is about purpose, but it's also, it makes financial sense for these brands. Now they're starting to realize that investing in social justice uh, causes and marketing um, is also profitable. Um, you, I mean, that's a beautiful summary, Mario. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, that's I'm, a I'm beautiful. Just, I'm, just taking, I'm taking it from you both, but, this, you know, it, it's, it's really eye-opening to kind of hear from you what's happening because it puts it in, in, into, into perspective, you know. Um, and, and I want I mean, I think this leads really nicely into the last thing I want to talk about and, you know, how do brands do it? Because we've seen some really good examples. I mean, one of my favorite examples is, you know, Nike, the Colin Kaepernick ad. It felt, it felt real, right? Like, like they're, Mm. this is something they believe in. And I was a Nike fan before, but that really cemented me as a, as a, as a, as a Nike uh, brand loyalist, loyalist, and then there's some other brands. Um, Me too. You know, I hate to call them out, but like Gillette, right? Like, just felt really inauthentic. Um, I don't know if you you saw the, their their campaign about, um, you know, about kind of redefining what a man is, but it just, I don't know, it felt weird, and so or it felt inauthentic. Um, you know, so how, you know. Reginald, you touched on it a little bit about being authentic, mm-hmm. but right. if we have brands listening right now that want to throw their hat in the ring into social justice marketing, how can you do it right? Um, I, 
think the first thing that you have to you have to do is one look at um, whether or not the brand has the license to do that. Uh, in the sense that, like, let's look at Nike in the Colin Kaepernick campaign. It was not much of a surprise or a stretch for Nike as a brand to do that uh, campaign because we, uh, when you look at the DNA of that brand, just do it. They've always been about being provocative and being about movement and change agents in the culture. And then when you look at their audience, you know, a lot of people were saying it was controversial and they had people burning their sneakers. Nike clearly understood their target and their growth is not the 35-plus target, but the young 17-year-olds, right? And so, again, the same people we're talking about whose values have shifted uh, to be more in line with companies that stand for something, and they had tremendous business results from that. So I think, first and foremost, you have to look at the brand and say, can we as a brand stand behind uh, an execution or a campaign? Is it true to who we are? Because if it's not, then you have to be very careful about that. You know, do you have a company that is committed to diversity and inclusion? Do you have people that are leading the company that look like the target audience? Um, Have you been involved in the long term in the company and not just doing one-off? So, for example, supporting um, the African-American market or talking to the African-American market just during Black History Month. So you have to have the authenticity, and then also uh, to be able to pay it off in terms of uh, your brand's relationship and standing in the community and what the brand is about. I, I like that. I mean, it's about taking inventory, right? Mm-hmm. What, what have we done? And, and and that's and let's say you score badly. Let's say you don't have people of color in prominent positions. Um, that is something you can fix. You you, yeah. you you can take the inventory and say, you know what? Maybe we're not ready to start now, but let's fix X, Y, and Z, and then yep. next year we go in, right? Instead of just, I, I mean, I like that because it gives brands a roadmap to assess: Am I ready? If I am, okay, let's let's go out there. Um, and if not, let's take some steps to make our brand ready for that, right? Yeah. Um, yep. You know, yep. we just saw this week, for example. I think you know Sephora went through and incident, right, where um, SZA was shopping, she was racially profiled, now they shut down the stores for diversity training, um, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they're going to start to take an assessment to see, okay, you know, their consumer is multicultural, right? Um, we yeah. see that with Rihanna launching Fenty with, with really great success, so... Um, it, it, you know, maybe that's a time for a brand like that. I mean, it's an unfortunate incident, but they can take an inventory to see, hey, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And how do we how do we get ahead of this? And I yeah. think uh, yeah. Sephora has a lot of equity. That's the other part. That's the other side of what Reginald was talking about uh, about. Do we have license to do this? Um, I do think that Sephora has a lot of equity with um, particularly the, the black consumer market because of the diverse number of people that work in the store, uh, in their stores, and because of the the uh, launch of the Fenty line. The Fenty line, uh, for those, uh, is a, a, a product beauty line that Rihanna, the um, um, the, the famous um, 
singer, launched. And why it was so important is because she launched 40 Shades of of her makeup line in this store. And it was, and it was interesting because other brands, large brands had 40 shades as well, but they never they never launched them. And that was one of the things that black women, black and brown women complained a lot about is not having the right shade of makeup. So when uh Sephora um launched Rihanna's Fenty brand, it 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 created a lot of of um of attachment um with the Sephora brand by women of color, which created a lot of of brand equity, favorable brand equity for them. So I think they will be fine because they already had a lot of things working for them. I think, too, the other thing, so having, does this brand have license? um, Who are you really talking to and why and understanding that? So you mentioned the, the Gillette, uh, ad and how because I saw that it was controversial. Um, I think I think for the black community, I'm I don't think it was that controversial um, because black men are usually profiled so negatively. There's a perception uh, among the black community that black men were profiled negatively in the media. So that was a message to uplift them. But at the same time, it didn't work well across other segments. And that's something Mm. that we talk about all the time is making sure that sometimes we get focused on who our target is, but then does this message, but it's not just our target that's seeing this, will this uh, impact other uh, other segments? And I don't think it, it played well with other segments, there were a few people on the internet that trolled, but I do think that P and G was still standing behind the the message um, with that. Uh, so, yeah, who you are talking to and why is is another um, when we think about uh, creating messages for social justice messages. Go ahead. No, I think an interesting thing about social justice marketing. I mean, marketing in general. The more specific it is to a, to an audience, the more authentic it is, and the broader the appeal. It's this. I I I find that this um, it's counterintuitive, right? The and and it and it starts. I mean, I have to plug research, but it does start with doing research. That's and really right. Un, really understanding the issue, right? And I th- I just think like being specific, being really specific, or Colin Kaepernick, for example. Um, it's a very specific issue that he's in advocating for. Um, and you would think it's a very specific audience, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, police brutality. And yet, because the message that Nike did was so authentic, despite it being so specific, yet it was uh, how Reginald pointed out it was extremely successful and and it's a, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a counterintuitive thing but i think that in is in spite of, of the it. controversy yes in spite of the controversy yeah. and and mm-hmm. and in spite of the specificity of it of his mm-hmm. message it was it it's super broad it, and it resonated yeah. with a lot of people you know and i think it i think to me that's a key component of authenticity is being specific because when you try right. to be too broad, it's lost. Yeah. 
you know? And and, and I, I would say being specific and then also having the um, having the balls, the kahunas to take a stand. <laughs> and, you know, yes, I, I was, you know, one of the examples that I love is uh, Ben and Jerry's. They did a campaign around 420 on 420. And essentially, so you got this ice cream company, right, that we all you know, we love, and it's in the middle of, I think they're in New Hampshire or Vermont, which is in a pretty liberal state. But they took a stance. They said, you know what, here is this issue uh, around marijuana. We see more people of color, more black and uh, Hispanic people being disproportionately incarcerated for the use of marijuana, but yet we see all these states now legalizing it. And the people that are going to benefit from the legalization the most are Caucasian people. Mm-hmm. And so this is unfair. This is, you know, this is a big injustice specifically impacting people of color. I thought that was great. They, you know, they posted it. Uh, they did it on um, Instagram and then also on their Facebook. I vaguely remember. Can you tell what more, what, 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 what it was? What the campaign was, or that they essentially it was uh, it was a visual on uh, Instagram where they essentially kind of just said what I said, you know, they showed the stat. Uh, they said, you okay. know, um, black and uh, brown people are disproportionately impacted and incarcerated. Yet the business of marijuana, in terms of states that have legalized it, uh, the benefits are really going to the Caucasian uh, community. And, you know, we need to kind of point out this injustice and look at how do we kind of right this wrong. Right. It, it was now. a visual of a, of, of a lot of text messages, not yeah. texting messages, but text um, as part it's of the copy. content. It, yeah, copy. Thank you, Reginald. It was copy. copy and right. uh, it, wasn't a, it, was, a it was great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's a really good example to what, Pepper was talking about earlier about a brand having equity. Um, yes. Even though it's it, even though it's a, uh, maybe a topic that they haven't broached before, Ben and Jerry's is definitely known for marijuana, right? Like, I mean, you're, yeah. they're, they're two two hippie guys that started in the '70s. Um, <laughs> so, so they you know they have that equity from a 420 perspective, but to put that equity behind something. Um, you know, in, in impacting community of colors. I mean, that that's great. That's that's great. Um, well, and and I think we're learning a lot from some brands that did it well. Um, let's talk a little bit about what went wrong with some with some brands. Like, I mean, like I think Pepsi is probably the highest profile right. misstep with with social justice marketing. I mean, what? I mean, I'd love to hear your your perspectives on. What went wrong there, and why? Um, Except for you, wanna? Well, yeah. One of the things that I, I, uh, you know, was reading about and saw too. It was first of all, I think what started the controversy was um, some people who supported or who were from the Black Lives Matter movement, um, because I think at the end of the, and, and how the. The well, let's go back. So there was a march. They we saw these people marching, and Kendall Jenner um, 
was doing a photo shoot and she changed her clothes and pulled off her wig and she decided to march with those people. So, but when you looked at what the people, the, the, they were marching, they were, what was the march about? There were, it was some made up or no, no, um, there was no purpose. <laughs> it was no purpose. I, I mean, they had these signs, but the signs was, was like unity. About what? Um, so it was a fake march um, to, to begin with. So that was that was horrible. Um, and then um, they showed Kendall Jenner um, extending a Pepsi to this um, this like wall border of police officers, and she's extending a Pepsi to him as part of a you know an, an olive branch moment. But that also mimicked. The real-life situation, I think, of a Black Lives Matter movement when a black girl was extending a bottle of water to this row of policemen. And so the people in the Black Lives Movement felt that they were being mimicked. So that that started that. And then people started looking at what else was going on um, uh, with the the ads. So it was truly inauthentic. Um, and and so that might speak to people. There might not have been a person of color. I can't imagine that there might have been not. A, there was a person of color sitting at the table that understood what was going on and let that fly. So that kind of that was one of the things, and that's another point that we want to make too. Is in doing it right, you gotta you have to have people of color in the room at the table and then be open to hearing their voice and their uh, their perspectives on how they feel about social justice and their experiences and what happens to them so that you can develop an authentic experience that other people can engage with. Yeah. No, I think another point. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Reginald. I was going to say another example uh, that I share is the uh, TV spot that was done by Ram uh, Trucks maybe about a year or two ago in the Super Bowl. And uh, they used the voiceover of one of Dr. Martin Luther King's speeches, the drum major instinct speech, uh, which was a speech he gave maybe about two months before he was assassinated. And I think the irony <laughs> of using that speech is that one of the things that he talked about was uh, – not, you know, advising people not to spend too much money on trucks and cars. So, you know, I think that was another moment of where uh, a brand was trying to, you know, license or use uh, something, you know, as relevant and as dear to the African-American community, or I should say to this country, because, you know, Martin Luther King was a social justice leader for this country, but it was inappropriate in the context in which they use it. So, which is why, you know, I think one of the watchouts is that if you're going to commit to uh, using um, something like a speech or a voiceover, you have to do it in a way that's genuine and authentic, and not as a voiceover. And then certainly understand understand what was said in the speech, you know, because that kind of says to me that someone really didn't read the speech and clearly understand that he was not really advocating. Uh, focusing on products or selling trucks or cars, <laughs> and, you know, it was just a, a blunder to me. Yeah, I mean, and, and what I'm getting from both, I mean, I, I, I never thought about how 
you know, for example, in the Pepsi commercial, that they weren't marching for anything. It was just a march. I mean, now that I'm thinking about that, it's it's just it's even worse. So, it's like you you can't just take the imagery in the case of Pepsi, or take the speech in the case of Ram, and th- and and throw your brand behind it. I think right. the key from what I'm getting is you've got to, one, include people of color in the conversation to understand what what is the real meaning behind the speech? What is the real meaning behind the marches? Um, and listen, in order to properly align your brand, because one thing that I don't want brands to come away from listening to this podcast is to be afraid to do right. social justice marketing. Um, I think that brands should should start by listening instead yes. of just throwing their hat in the ring by getting what's out there, getting the imagery, getting the text, and just, you know, putting it on top of their brand. It's really about understanding, right? Yes. Right. And, and I think giving giving some space, uh, particularly as we start to look at this area of content, because, you know, the, the shift is happening, and that is that shift, from eyes going from, you know, the traditional TV um, networks and cable networks to more of a I'm going to create my own programming, I'm going to, you know, cut the cord, and I'm basically creating this world when I watch what I want uh, and uh, how I want to watch it. And so with that, uh, consumers are having more control in terms of the messages that come into their lives. And as a result of that, the content that you create has to probably be a lot more meaningful, and it can't just be, in a lot of times, selling straightforward a product, right? And that and that gets back to again, how can you have a more meaningful role in the lives of these consumers as a brand beyond it just being transactional? And I think when you just focus on the transaction, and someone saying, "Well, we got to have the truck, we've got to have the soap, or what have you," and not that you know we can't talk about the product. But we've got to really change about change our thinking about how to connect with these consumers in a way that's authentic. So I, I liked what you said about not transactional because P and G has taken a different a, a different stance by um, creating um, messaging. They they have this purposeful messaging that. Um, for one of their ads, uh, Pantene Gold Series, that features the product. And then they just launched, uh, I think today or yesterday, um, Mario and listeners, um, uh, My Black is Beautiful, um, which was a platform. Now they've launched it as a brand. And they've launched this um, uh, uh, animated campaign that that talks about how uh, ugly words can hurt of the black community, so there, it's it's it it speaks to how we redefine black, and right. and it really uplifts the value of of black culture, black and black people. So and they do it without any brand, and so the Pantene goal um, uh, focuses on brands. And to your point, Mario, they did a lot of research because that's really really important. Um, I remember when I started years ago doing this work with a black consumer, 
And companies would hire me because they wanted to get the black consumer's perspective. And one of the things that we wanted to talk to people about, particularly in exploratory research or ethnographies, is what does it mean to be black in America? And I was forbidden to ask that question. I was forbidden. Don't ask that question. It's leading. We couldn't do it. And today where, you know, because of the climate and where brands are going and wanting to understand consumers, these consumers a little bit better, you know, we're we're allowed <laughs> to ask the question in research. And so we're getting all this richness from from the consumers and what their their life is is like as a black person. And so what brands could do then for those things that aren't working, they've been flipping the script. And that's what Procter and Gamble is doing. They're flipping the script of what the pain has might have been for black consumers uh based on our history and our and our treatment and the beliefs that that we have and creating messages that resonate with them that speaks more to how they want to be perceived and accepted and celebrated in this in this culture um so they do it with brands as they did with the Pantene commercial that shows a variety of women of different uh, shades, dark skin, light skin, different hair textures, a celebration of their hair textures because there's a perception that black women do are not, their beauty is not celebrated. So they flip the script there and, and show products and then the other, it, they're making a statement. So you can do, you can do both as, as Reginald talks about. It can be transactional with products or, or not, but it has to be done in a tasteful way. And to get there, to your point, Mario, is to do more research and to do research where I think, too, more qualitative research is really important um, as well because the quantitative will give us the measurement of how many, but qualitative will help us understand the why. And to go into people's homes and have conversations with them, which is what I'm doing more of, is really, 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 really rich. So I'm glad that you brought that up about the research. And you're 100% right. I mean, because we um, we as a company have tended to lead with quantitative research, but we we time and time again we see our clients coming to us for qualitative research, and we didn't really understand it. I mean, the past four or five years, just a huge yes. resurgence. And I think yes. what's happening is your point. We need we we haven't done much qualitative research among multicultural consumers. One, but two, we're inundated with data. You yeah. have social media data. You have yeah. I mean just more data than any, you know Google data, big data, right? Right. Companies have so much data, they're drowning in it. But and but that's only telling them what what consumers are doing, what they're watching, what they're clicking on. It's not, Correct. they're not telling, it, it, you You can't understand the experience of a person of color, of a minority, of LGBTQ, of a woman, from yes. just looking at numbers. You have to go and talk, yeah. and I think that that's a big yeah. difference. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's, you lose so much of the richness in the context uh, when you rely solely on quantitative, what I've found in my experience. You know, and, and particularly if you think about the LGBT community, LGBTQ, um, a lot, there's a lot of um, hesitancy to, um, because of, you know, people being 
at different stages in terms of their their outness, uh, there's a lot of hesitancy to provide information uh, through surveys. And so you That's lose that true. ability to get at a lot of richness by being in front of them and, you know, um, as long as, you know, they feel comfortable, um, you know, with moderators that are from the community and have made them relax, I think you can get a, a lot more rich and accurate um, information in those settings. Now that we, we can do a whole podcast on why why minorities uh, don't are, are skeptical of surveys. I mean, that's it's, that's a big, big topic, and I think a lot of brands don't don't know about that. But um, correct. I, this has been a great conversation. I want to wrap it up, and I'd, I'd like to end with, you know, giving for the brands listening out there, for the marketers listening out there that have been hesitant about social justice marketing. Hopefully, we've empowered them to to, to start taking steps in the organization to, at the very least, start looking into it. Um, I mean, what what's one key takeaway? that we can give to to marketers that are thinking about this? What's one key thing that marketers should do before getting into social justice marketing? Pepper, you can start with Pepper. Um, I, I do think we still, and to, not to be redundant, but to begin with research, to understand what the hot issues and topics and feelings and emotions are, um, that's, that's definitely a place to to begin and how how do those issues can they be addressed by my brand or company of brand individual product brands but a company brand as um as well uh and then how do we do that authentically how do we do that authentically Graham um, Reginald I would say um, capital consciousness is, can lead mm. to good business. You know, I think that, again, you know, looking at what role does that brand play in the lives of consumers? Uh, and do you have the license, you know, as you, as you go through and, you know, give yourself a score, and if you can play in that space of social justice marketing or purpose-led marketing, then it's the way to go, you know, and you can be a good steward and make money and, and realize that it's not about the transaction anymore. If you want to uh, develop a meaningful relationship and a long-term relationship, it has to be a transformative relationship. Is that what capital consciousness means? Reginald, talk talk a little bit more just about what that means because I like that. What is capital consciousness it, it, it means that um, brands, companies, um, take a broader interest. So, for example, I, I like ah. the Ford Motor Company. Um, they have given uh, so much money to historically black colleges over the years. But if you think about it, it's in their best interest as a brand because a better educated African-American or black consumer is more in the, you know better in a position to be able to buy a car, <laughs> right? So you know it's doing good, but it's also creating the opportunity to maintain or create a, a loyal customer base. Mm-hmm. By helping helping them help themselves, they can exactly. then participate in enjoying your brand. 
I love it. Exactly. And, and, and Ford is such a good example of that because, I, I mean, I don't think many people know Henry Ford was one of the first, you know, business titans to hire black people. And, and, yeah. and, and, oh, I didn't, and, I didn't and, know that. He was one of the first because there was a lot of factors that just factors that don't wouldn't. That's why you had, you know, the large migration from the south to Detroit because car manufacturers started by Henry Ford were hiring black people, and he would he he took it to another level. Talking about capital consciousness, he actually would go to his manager's homes, right, walk in, see what's going on, and help and say, hey, you know what, maybe. Uh, you, you should set up your your bedroom this way. Now, I was probably going a little bit far because he was all doing it for efficiency. But but he was right. really he had the employee you know in mind. He had their health, and and he realized you know what they do in his factory is just a fraction. How they live their life is really important too. So that's it's cool. I mean, they they they've continued that investing in HBCUs. But um, I think what's great overall about this conversation is that. You know, social justice marketing, I think, is is here to stay. Um, marketing is in, incredibly important um, and and has really an influence and profound influence on our society, right? Because these are the images that we look at every day, what we listen, and it's great that brands are investing in telling stories of people that haven't been told, right? Like me, I'm thinking about Pepper mentioning about black women's hair. That's so specific. But lots of people in this country don't know about, you know, what the issues that black women have because of their hair. And I think seeing that on television and for black women, of course, is important. But I think equally as important, non-black women being able to say, oh, I didn't know that they went through that. Right. And and, and being open to those type of things, I think, really helps society in general for the better. Correct. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, thank you both. This has been a, an excellent conversation. Um, thank you, Pepper. Thank you, thank you Reginald. Um, for people listening, um, Pepper, Reginald, how can we find you online, social media? Do you want to give your, your social media handle so people can follow you on Twitter? Sure. Yeah. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Pepper Miller. I'm Facebook. I'm Pepper Miller. And... Um, my website is peppermiller.net. And thank you for and that. For, sure. And for me, uh, on the, I think my handle on Twitter is RVO Osborne. And then I'm also on LinkedIn uh, under my name, Reginald Van Osborne. And then uh, Gmail is reginaldvanosborne.com. I'm sorry, reginald.osborne. At gmail.com. <laughs> and I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as well as Pepper Miller. I'm sorry. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Thank you for mentioning that. This was great. Thank you, Reginald. And thank you, everyone, for listening and hope to have you both on again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, All right. Thank you, Mario. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.